Welcome to Sunrise Live, the podcast where we have deep conversations with fellow freelance models. Today, I have Zoe West with me. Say hello. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy that you were down to do this episode. We've visited each other in different places of the country from time to time, and I just think you're so cool, and I've always been kind of inspired by you like through proxy and stuff. Ah, oh, shit, girl. Well, back at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. You are truly one of the hardest working traveling models I've ever met. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I've definitely, like, backed off on intense touring lately and just trying to, like, do other things in place of that. So, but, you know, you know how it is. Like, yeah. it can be hard. <laughs> it's tough. I mean... It's a very hard lifestyle to balance trying to do anything else with because it's just, it's so time consuming. It just takes up, you know, it's like when you're not trying to network with people or actually shooting, you're driving and, you know, trying to coordinate and all kinds of things like that. So it's, yeah, it's important to take breaks and step back. So good for you. But then if you take a break, you're not making money. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's yeah, definitely. That is the catch 22 of it always. (laughs) Yeah. And I hear that a lot of people who have a freelance lifestyle, it's kind of like similar where like, you know, a thousand hours worked for yourself is better than a thousand hours or than one hour worked for somebody else, as they say. But I mean, there's got to be a limit to that. Yeah, I mean, and I think with every model and any freelancer, I think, you know, their threshold for that and whatever their expenses are that they need to cover, you know, it varies for everyone. So that's definitely, that is definitely a contributing factor to trying to sort that out. I mean, I feel like I go back and forth about wanting to continue being a traveling model all the time. Like it is, I I struggle constantly with it because on one hand, I haven't found anything that I've tried to do remotely as fun or interesting or exciting as being a traveling model because there's just, I don't know, it's just, it's an adventure. I love working with people too, like being around people is I derive a lot of joy from that. And it's not something that you can really talk about with a lot of people. Like a lot of people in my life that I'm close to that don't do this or have any interest in doing this, it's sort of, they don't really understand why it's such an important thing for me and why it's something that I love doing so much. I mean, they, you know, they accept it as something that I love and they're fine with it. It's like, they're not judgmental about it or anything like that, but it's, they don't get it. And it's funny because Astrid came to visit me in New Orleans. Oh, cool. Recently. Yeah. And It was so, I haven't really hung out with anyone. It's just been, I've had like a 
fucking crazy summer. And like, really, the last year has just been really intense. And I haven't really been modeling very much lately. And she came to visit and we got into this just talking about being a traveling model and just all of the ups and downs and trying to figure it out. And I realized how much I have needed to have that conversation with someone. Like I haven't really yeah. been able to talk about some of the stuff that makes this career interesting or just why, I don't know, just why I've been struggling with it. And it's important to talk to people about it because it's not like anything else. I mean, trust me, I've tried to do a lot of other things and it is not like anything else I've tried to do. Yeah. What other things have you tried getting into career-wise? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm back in school. So I'm getting my associates in science right now, which is kind of hilarious because I'm not a very sciencey person, uh, but it's a general <laughs> degree. And basically I can put it towards anything that I want to do. And I never went to college. This is my, I'm 33 and this is my first time in college. So this is a big step. But I have tried, uh, I was working during COVID because of course I wasn't really traveling during COVID. I was working at a plant nursery. I tried doing wallpaper installation. I do a lot of painting, like house painting and stuff like that. I've been doing that on and off for since I was 16. So that's kind of like, oh, cool. That's one of those like odd jobs that I'll sort of turn to when a friend of mine needs a hand to, you know, paint their living room or whatever. I'm excellent at cutting in. But yeah, I mean, those are all some of the things I've tried. Oh, I, I kind of was trying to do burlesque for a little while. I feel like I kind of like the idea of being a Jill of all trades. But yeah, it's not the same as being a model. It's just not. None of those things are. So what pulls you into it is the, that it's interesting and you get to work with people and that it's an adventure. And then what pushes you away from it is that is that it alienates you from the rest of the people in your family? No, I wouldn't say that. It's really... It's more that it just takes up so much time. It's hard yeah. to maintain relationships and work on other things. I mean, it's hard to be in school, one, and try to do this. That's that's yeah. definitely something that I've found to be a little challenging. But it's also like sometimes I tend to get burnt out on people because I, <laughs> my habit is because I get all of this joy from the social aspects and the creative aspects of modeling, and this is just true in general. Like I tend to not really take time for myself, both professionally and sort of in just in my more personal relationships. And sometimes like through modeling, you know, you end up taking jobs that you don't really want to do just because it yeah. makes money. Right. I mean, this is yeah. just part of life, you know, like everybody has to do this. Like everybody has a fucking coworker that they hate or clients that they don't like. I mean, this just is part of being an adult, but you know, a lot of the times like with modeling, like sometimes you'll have this experience working with someone and it's really bad. Like 
you can like <laughs> really get a bad experience working with someone. Like, I mean, and that is definitely something that like when those experiences happen, it just really, it's really hard to not feel like to question why you're doing it. It's like, why am I putting up with this? And yeah, true. In, even if it's not something severe, like even if you don't get like actually groped or attacked by a photographer or something like that, like even the the small things to me today, like compared to when I first started modeling, like small things, I would just like, you know, they would kind of roll over my back or whatever. And today I'm just like, really, you want to ask me about my relationship with my father? Like, come on, man. Oh, you're, you're going to tell me that to pretend like the camera is my boyfriend and pretend to be horny for you and stuff like oh, come God, on right. come yeah. on it's like these thousands of little insults you know and it's yeah. like they all they all just kind of start to add up and especially when you're on tour because when you're on tour you're working so hard it's like it, you know you're waking up at crazy hours and like driving crazy distances and putting all of this effort and energy into a shoot and like, you know, some photographer like makes some fucking comment about your body or, you know, like, you, you know, like what you just said, asking you like personal fucking questions that are none of their business. And yeah, it just makes you <laughs> feel like there has to be another job that I can do where I'm not having to put up with this all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and, and sometimes I wonder, I don't know. It's like, yeah, like on one hand, I'm, I'm not putting up with the same things when I'm, you know, installing wallpaper in somebody's home, but I'm also not being creatively fulfilled in yeah. certain other ways and I'm not making as much money. So it's just, it's like, I feel like I'm constantly walking a tightrope with it. Yes. I align with that as well. It, it's yeah. definitely the good shoots that you like look forward to. And then like the cringe shoots that you're like, eh. right again, it's part of it, you know? And I mean, in a way, like some of those cringy shoots, they make you more appreciative of the people that you really bond with creatively and that you have a really strong connection with. I mean, some of the photographers I work with, they're like family to me. Um, and I'm so thankful and models too, for that matter. I mean, I've made some really incredible friends. And so those are the things that keep you motivated to keep on with it. But I don't know what's next for me. You know, I mean, I'm yeah. sure that you get that ask that question all the time. Like, what are you going to do after modeling? And it's like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, kind of in the same boat in a lot of ways. But then I see people who are even much older than me who are still modeling. And I'm like, I could do that. Am I going to want to do that? Or am I going to be stuck doing that? Is it, Am I going to have a choice? <laughs> you know? Right, right. That is something that is one of the reasons why I started going back to school. It's because yeah. I don't want to be in that place, you know, 10 years from now and then, you know, like have to start getting my associate's degree when I'm in my 40s. And not like there's anything, not like there's anything wrong with going back to school in your 40s. I mean, my, my boyfriend is actually in his 40s and going back to school and he's doing great and that's awesome. But with modeling, there is this 
pressure because of the way you look. And I mean, you know, I can take care of myself and keep doing what I'm doing and everything like that. But I mean, gravity is gravity. I don't know what I'm going to look like in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know what's next. It's, but I'm glad to be at least in a place where I'm thinking about some alternative for myself. It's good. It's good to have like options and to be diverse. Yeah. I was actually thinking like one of the things that I'm really interested in doing as maybe a step forward is uh, actually being a sex therapist or being specifically a therapist that works with sex workers or in people in the adult industry. That sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, Lord knows that I need a fucking therapist, so <laughs> I, I imagine that others do in this field, too. So, but we'll see. I don't know. Again, I'm still like, I don't know. I don't know. It's scary, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that that could be really fulfilling, and then you're working with other people also, which could be cool. Right, exactly. I feel like it checks boxes that... You know, these are things that make me feel good in all areas of my life. And talking to other people, getting to know other people, connecting with other people, like that's all, that's important to me, both professionally and personally. So I feel like that might be a, might be a good segue, although it does sort of leave something to be desired for creativity. So I don't know, maybe I'll have to take up painting or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's legit. So, do you paint? Actually, you know, when I was a kid, I did. I I was in art class and I painted a bunch in art class. And then outside of art class, I bought my own like art supplies and I would do scratch board and sculptures and like acrylic painting and like sketching and stuff. And I was pretty good, you know, for a kid, I was pretty good. And every once in a while, like, people buy me art kits for Christmas every now and then. And I'm just like, oh shit, like that's going to go back on the shelf because I don't have time to sit and draw when I could be, you know, emailing and setting up my next shoots and stuff. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's hard to make room for that creative stuff. I I asked because I I was an art kid also. Have a lot of uh, I have many 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 art supplies sitting in a bin in storage mm. in my mother's home. <laughs> and, it's uh, always yeah. there for you though. If you ever break your leg, you can just get back into painting instead of <laughs> everything else. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you never know. Life is long, yeah. hopefully. I want to take a short little break to tell you about Model Society. Modelsociety.com is a website dedicated to featuring figurative fine art photography for models and photographers. What makes them different than other portfolio hosting websites is that some of those other websites will still host kind of tacky photography or exploitative photos. Model Society screens all of their contributors for quality and authenticity. So you only get the best of the best on there. If you're not a photographer or model, you can still enjoy and appreciate Model Society because they also have newsletters and magazines featuring their best work and new articles each week. Check it out, modelsociety.com. I will also include a link to Model Society in the show notes. All right, now back to our show. So when, when I first met you, I think it was like 
2014, maybe 2013 at like a group event in, was that like Virginia or something like that? Yeah. Was that the, was that a shutter? That was a shutter phone event, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was. Yeah, I know. Before speaking all the of, shit went down. <laughs> speaking of cringe experiences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so those events, I mean, you know, it was a bunch of GWCs, but like, they were somewhat well run during that time. And then over time, the quality of the events degraded and changed motivations. But during that time, it was not that bad. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and everyone, as I recall, all of the photographers were, they were nice. You know, they were polite and respectful for the most part. Yeah. At least that was my experience. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, that was one of those things where you have to make money and network with people. And that was, that's what the, those events were great for. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think that was, that was when we first, when we first connected. Didn't we get roomed in a hotel together? Oh, that was a later event. That was one of the cruise events. We oh, had yeah. a, a hotel room <laughs> together. <laughs> uh, man. But yeah. <laughs> so I remember when I first met you, I was I you had just recently been published in Penthouse. And so I was like, oh, I have right. to meet her and befriend her because that's a goal of mine, too. Right, right. Yes, that was it's funny, actually, because that photographer, he quit doing photography for like a while. And now he's back at it again. And I'm actually staying with him <laughs> while I'm in oh, Houston sweet. right now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. He moved to Texas? He moved to Texas, yeah, about, like, three years ago. And he's, like, kind of, he's getting back in the business. He missed it. He's, I mean, again, it's, you know, it's funny because we're just talking about how, as models, like, we miss modeling when we try to do other things, too. Photographers are the same way. I mean, he, like, he was great, and he was very successful, so, you know, it's kind of, of course you would miss that lifestyle. It's exciting. And when a photographer, like just from a photography perspective, it's, again, you make people feel good about themselves. It's like, I'd get those images back and I was like, oh yeah, shit, look at that. I look hot. Like, all right. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it a bit of an addiction good. in a way. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is definitely um, validating. Especially if you have like any, you know, like when you're feeling self-conscious or anything like that, it's, it is nice for that. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of models struggle with that, that self-worth thing. I love that. I was just asking you about your, your penthouse publication and immediately like your reaction was that you loved that photographer that you worked with. And it's interesting because a lot of people on the outside, they look at pictures and they're like, Oh, that's a hot picture. That's a hot picture. What an amazing model and an interesting person. But then the depth of what's going on behind the situation of the, the photo shoot happening. And then the, the interactions that the model and the photographer had and like the stories that were happening, like in real time leading up to those photos being taken. There's so much more depth to everything than just the still image. Yeah, definitely. I mean, getting into penthouse changed my life. You know, I mean, that was actually my first erotic shoot that I ever did. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny because how it happened was I was, man, I was going through a bad time in my life and 
Harry reached out to me. Harry Connor was a photographer and he reached out and he was like, Hey, how would you feel about submitting to Penthouse? And, you know, I mean, this was on Model Mayhem and, you know, it's, I've had photographers reach out and be like, I'm going to get you into Playboy. And I look at their portfolio right. and I'm like, no, you're not. Sure. <laughs> so I looked at his work and I'm like, ah, oh, wow. Like he's really good. And we, started getting into a more detailed discussion about it. And he had gotten a cover with this very popular model. Her name was Gina Lynn. And then they started paying attention to his work and he had, he submitted, you know, he started submitting more to them. So, you know, I mean, I felt like there was a pretty good chance that if we were to do this shoot, then, you know, I might actually get published and he we were trying to figure out a location and like a theme and where we ended up doing it was actually a house this 1790s federal house that i actually Ooh. helped to restore <laughs> uh, when i was in like high school and my very early 20s and it's owned by this woman who is my best friend and i you know, helped her with this house. And I sent Harry some photos of the house and I'm like, hey, like, you know, this is the location. And she's like all into antiques, everything. Like her whole house is furnished with all these beautiful antiques. And Harry was like, that place looks great. Like, yeah, I'll come up and we can do the shoot there. And I messaged my friend Diane and I'm like, how would you feel about me doing like a, you know, erotic photo shoot at your house? And she just laughed. Like, she just laughed and she was like, that's wonderful. Yes, absolutely. Come on up. So then, and, you know, it was, I was really nervous because I had never shot erotic before. And I had been modeling for a couple years on and off at that point. And it felt like a really big deal. And Harry said to me, he's like, look, we'll submit the photos. And if you don't get in then they'll never see the light of day. And if you do get in, then you get in and then, you know, you can do whatever you want after that. So that was sort of the the approach that we had. And that's, and ultimately I, I got in and that's how, and then I was off to the races, I guess, in some ways. So I certainly was very busy after that. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's how that happened. <laughs> and my penthouse story. I don't know if I ever told you that. I remember you telling me how, like, you weren't, it wasn't a sure thing and that, that he would submit them. And I don't recall if you told me it was your first erotic shoot or not. But I, I know that since then, after, uh, I don't know, a few years or so, you, like, uh, decided to not do explicit posing anymore for just, like, photographers and stuff, which is totally valid. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and that is definitely an on and off kind of thing, too. It's like now I, I focus my explicit work. Basically, I only shoot that content myself, more or less. There's like a, a handful of like trusted people and other models like yourself that I will shoot that kind of stuff with. And then I don't really do it with other people because, you know, people are just gross. Like people always <laughs> <Yeah>. gross <laughs> and I just, yeah. I don't need to deal with that anymore. So, yeah. Yeah, if you can just do your own explicit content or like with your friends or whatever, then you don't have to worry about 
like having to send a DMCA because it got ripped off somewhere on the internet. Like if you have the copyright to it and the ownership of it, it's like you're in control of it. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely a, I mean, I don't, it's like, I have no problem shooting that kind of style. It's not my greatest joy. Like I will say that, but again, it's, you know, we all have to make a living and sometimes, you know, that means, you know, having morals which I certainly do so you know but yeah you're living in Louisiana right yeah in New Orleans or New Orleans that's like mm -hmm. a a sin city of sorts yeah it's a fun town it really is I have mixed feelings about it I love it and hate it it's dangerous but it's, I don't know. I mean, it's where I am right now. It's nice to be living in a place that people like want to come and visit you at. A lot of people are attracted to the music scene and of course the party scene and everything like that. So, cool. so that's kind of a fun thing about it. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question that I ask a lot of other people on the show. I call it the photo shoot fail of the week. Can you describe a situation where you had a photo shoot where the situation surrounding the shoot was crazy or perhaps the photographer themselves was crazy? Oh, God, that's a long list. Um. <laughs> you can tell more than one if you want. Okay. Um, I think probably the craziest thing that ever happened at a shoot was my body painting gig that I did with Andy Golub back in... 2011 or something like that. It was a long time ago. Wow, that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, to 2011. And that was the gig that I got arrested at. Oh. For being nude in Times Square. And yeah, and I got arrested and actually ended up suing the NYPD because it's actually totally legal to be naked in New York City if it's for an artistic exhibition or theatrical show. You also can't be asking for money, which, you know, we weren't. And I got arrested for that and sued and I won, which was awesome. <laughs> uh, so that was... I think that was probably overall the craziest thing that happened. And I, I mean, I have other stories that were, you know, and although that was primarily a body painting shoot, like there were definitely photographers there and there are some hilarious photos on Google. <laughs> if you type in Zoe West arrested, there's all kinds of like photos of me standing naked, like getting into a cop car. <laughs> And, uh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty funny. That was, I think, my that was my first claim to fame. And that actually ended up being this really positive story in spite of how, like, crazy it was. I do remember the first moment of, like, getting arrested and, like, putting my hands behind my back. And I was kind of like, oh, fuck, this is really happening. And I felt this sort of, like, knot in my stomach. Like, oh, no. And then... I just was kind of like, okay, like, I'm just gonna, like, get in this cop car and I'm gonna just deal with this and everything is just gonna work out. And it, it certainly did. So it's good. Yeah. So that I think was my craziest. Did they take you to the station? Yeah. They took me to the precinct in one of the precincts in Manhattan in uptown. Cause again, we were in Times Square. So it was one of the midtown districts and. 
they brought me into the pre they didn't let me put on my clothes so i oh my god i walked into the precinct naked and was just like <laughs> hanging around like waiting for them to book me or whatever and i'm like stand i'm just like standing there naked and then finally like one of the officers comes in and he's just like can somebody let her put her fucking clothes on please oh my god and and then so then they like you know they did like one of the female officers like brought me into this room and you know let me get changed and she sort of said to me she's you know she waited for me to get dressed and she's she looked at me and she's like now I know that this is kind of ridiculous, but this is protocol. I have to pat you down. And I was like, oh my what God. Okay. Like, that's, yeah, like, where am I hiding drugs? <laughs> like, you know. Right. So, but yeah, so then she patted me down and everything like that. And then they handcuffed me to a bench in a juvenile delinquent's room. And then I, like, you know, sat there for a couple hours, like, chit-chatting with this cop. And then... The lawyer that was actually handling, he was the body painters. Andy Golub was the body painter, and he was the body painter's lawyer, Ron Kuby. Oh. Shout out to Ron Kuby, who, Sweet. you know, <laughs> took care of that. And he called the police station and was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Get her out of there right now. And then they did, and they just released me out into the world and... Then, like, some news people came and interviewed me and stuff like that, and then I went home. And when I woke up the next day, I was on the third page of the New York Post. Wow. Make it into a cop car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fun. That was... I have plenty of, like, bad stories, but that was, like, a, you know, that was, that was a happy story. I feel like there's enough... Yes, crazy and happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not so much for the NYPD who had to, you know, pay me, but, you know, fuck them <laughs> anyway. So for real. So, yeah. So the painter or the photographer that you were working with, they didn't get arrested. It was just you. Yes. Yes. It was just me because I was the only one that was technically breaking a law. It's interesting. And I've thought about this in the past, too, because in various parts of the country or other countries, I suppose, also, like there's different laws about public nudity. And you have to be sure that if, if you're getting arrested, it's the model getting arrested, not the photographer. Right. Because it's public indecency or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like, I would not <laughs> I would not do that now. You know, like, I, I would not want to do that uh, again. Like, I feel like you only get lucky like that one time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Other times to be lucky in that way. And, you know, in New York City, like, you could probably get away with it in San Francisco and New Orleans, definitely. But you still, you know, like, I'm way more cautious about that kind of stuff now. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think part of it is just, like, the knowledge that you have, of, like, you know, knowing what could possibly happen or having a close call in the past. When, when you're younger, you don't have the knowledge or experience to be like, oh, this is a bad idea. <laughs> right, exactly. And, I mean, he made me aware that there was a possibility that I could get arrested, but the charges were going to be dropped because it was legal. And the body painter, Andy, had gotten arrested before with two other models 
And as I recall, I can't remember exactly why that was not a case to, they didn't want to file a lawsuit for that particular case. And I forget the reason why, but they didn't. But then with me, they did. I, like I said, I don't remember exactly what that reason was. But yeah, so, and he said that after that experience, the charges were dropped. So, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy life. It's a crazy life we lead. <laughs> I'm fortunate never to have been arrested, but I think I've had a couple close calls. Yeah. I've had, I've had experiences before then and since then, too, where I've definitely been caught and have to, like, duck behind a tree or a rock or something like that. <laughs> I have another question that I'd like to ask that I also ask everybody on the show. I call it the rising phoenix era of your life. And this can be related to your modeling or not. It just It's up to you. Can you describe a situation where you were faced with some kind of a challenge that you had to overcome, whether that was career challenge or uh, insecurities or just a, a situation in your life? Hmm. So many to choose from. <laughs> I mean, I think that the easiest one that comes to mind was losing my dad to cancer a couple of years ago. That was probably, and it still is, such a difficult thing to get through. I was really lucky. I had a great dad and he was such an inspiration and I felt very understood by him always. And... You know, not having him in my life anymore is just, it's, it never really gets easier, you know? And it's like, people sort of, I mean, I never really thought that it would get easier, but it's, I guess the, the pain from it isn't as frequent, I guess. And, you know, I think I leaned on him a lot for his support. And now that I don't have him anymore, it's, you know, I have to actually like look inward and really find that myself. And that's hard, you know, and I still feel like I am struggling with that, like trying to find that, you know, that encouragement, the, the way that I had with him, you know. So I think that is definitely the thing that I'm going through now. I think that I'm trying to just rise above that. And I mean, I have plenty of self-confidence outwardly and confidence in my career and everything like that. But there are certain things that I just, I struggle with that his wise counsel, I I don't really have that anymore. That's really sad. I'm sorry for your loss. So, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it's it sucks. <laughs> like, there's no way around it, you know? And I mean, he had a... And I mean, he was older, but, you know, and I had time. Like, I'm lucky that I had time with him. Like, he was sick for about a year before mm -hmm. he passed. So I felt really lucky that I still had some time with him. You know, a lot of people don't get that. And I did. And I'm so thankful for that. And the other thing that I, I try to remember, you know, when I'm feeling like I really miss him is that, you know, I don't have any unfinished business. 
with him. Like, I don't have any, like, baggage or anything like that. It's like we kind of had – feel like we we just never had any real issues with one another. And, yeah, so it's like, you know, be thankful that this person was in your life and that they had such a profound impact on you. And sometimes, like – know because he's my dad he's you know i'm part of him it's like sometimes when i'm like struggling with the decision i think about like what would he say what would he say and like you know and it's like and the thing is it's like what he always said is you know just do whatever you want fuck everybody else (laughs) um he was he was great that way and uh sometimes that's, you know, I just need to remember that and that helps me make decisions. But yeah, losing a parent is probably the hardest, hardest thing that I've ever been through. Yeah, especially if you're really close with your parents. And, so, you know, my mom has yeah. cancer. There's a lot of people that listen know already. And I'm worried about possibly losing her. But it's, it's uncertain because right now she has a lot of energy and she seems to be improving, which gives us all hope. Mm-hmm. And I want to, we all want to hold on to that hope, right. but it's always uncertain. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I know that you've been going through that with her and I'm so happy that you, that she's doing great. Like that is just, that's such wonderful news. I'm, I'm happy for her and I'm happy for you, but it's scary. It's scary. Like, you know, that's always in the back of your mind when they're sick. I mean, when my, when my dad was sick, it was like, you never know. And you know this as well. Some days would be good. Yeah. And some days would be really fucking yeah. bad. And you just... And being in that state of anxiety about losing someone is... I mean, in a way, that was harder than him passing away. I mean, for my dad anyway, like when he finally passed away, he had been really fucking sick. And he didn't have any quality of life. He was on a ventilator for months. Like, it was bad. It was very bad. Like, by the time he actually passed away, it was like a relief. You know, it was a relief that he was free from this pain that he was in. And I mean, as long as, you know, if he had continued to have a quality of life, though, it would have been like, yeah, keep fighting. Absolutely. Keep fighting. Like, yeah, you got this, you know? So... It's like all you can do is like be a voice of encouragement and just spend as much time with them as you possibly can. That is one regret that I do have about during the time that he was sick. I did not visit him enough and I wish that I had. So that is my one piece of advice (laughs) to you or anyone that's going through it. It's like you can't get that time back if anything gets worse. So you know, make room. That's powerful. They say that time heals all wounds, but I don't think that that's necessarily true. Like it might, putting distance between something horrible happening and then waiting years later, it, it doesn't necessarily make it hurt less. It's just not as recent in your memory, I suppose. Right. Well, it's like your life becomes filled with other things that take up that space but yeah i mean it's like when i really think about it or if i'm like having a really hard time or like a particularly intense therapy session with my therapist like you know it's just like 
all of a sudden I'm like, you know, having a fucking full on meltdown again. Like it just happened. It's, it doesn't go away. You never stop missing a person that was that important to you when they're gone forever. You just don't. It's so tell your friends and family that you fucking love them and how much you appreciate them always <laughs> because you just never know. So life is those like, are wise words. Wise words. Wise words. Learning something, <laughs> trying to. Yeah, and and I guess kind of like bringing it full circle with our whole conversation, like having a lifestyle of being a full-time freelance person, like it's really hard to compartmentalize sometimes. You're like, oh, I need to still go on tours in order to make money. But then like there's things that happen in life where if it's a severe enough thing that happens, you're like, oh shit, I have to cancel my next month of work because I want to be here for my loved one or because something horrible is happening and I need to be present, not in the cities that I've booked work. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I definitely had to do it and you know, I, I canceled, I had a bunch of like international trips planned and stuff like that. I, I was going to go to, I was going to go to Tasmania. Whoa. And I, I had booked a flight back when I mean, it was still, it was a very expensive flight, but I, I mean, I couldn't get it refunded. It was like a thousand dollar flight and, but you have to do it. It's like, you just have to. And do I regret canceling that flight? Fuck no. <laughs> like, I don't care. It's like money comes and money goes, but like your time with the people that you care about, you know, especially when they're sick and something happens to them. Um, like, yeah. That's it. For me, so, this past yeah. year, or maybe mm -hmm. even a couple of years, I suppose maybe since I feel like I've changed a lot in the last few years too. But oh, in the last few years, I've come to realize more and more how, like, how successful I am, like, financially, and how impressive my career looks. Really, really doesn't matter that much at all in the grand scheme of things. What really matters is, you know, your connections with the people that you're closest with. Yeah. So, so being really successful and stuff, yeah, it's definitely. like, okay, great. But like, were you good with your, your friends and family? Right. And are you good with yourself? Really? Because I mean, we all know that like, just because you have a lot of money or fortune or success, it's, you know, there are plenty of fucking miserable, oh, yeah. successful people out there, Definitely. you know, so you have to be right with yourself. And sometimes it's hard to, it's hard to know what that means. For you, yes, personally. that's very true. Because you you think that you're doing a good job at life if you're like able to pay your bills and save up for the future. Like, all right, I've got it all squared. But but there's other parts of your life that might be suffering if you're doing too good at your career. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, oops. Actually, I'm dead inside. <laughs> like, I, you know? Yeah. Maybe I need to take some time to do some self care and. Uh, just have some space. I do like, I struggle with that because I, you know, sort of like what I was saying before is I, I get so much joy out of being with people and making people feel good that I tend to end up feeling really drained and I forget how much space I need. And then like, I finally get some time alone and I'm like, oh wow, like I really needed that to just to just think about your next move. It's like sometimes you get so caught up. 
I don't know if you're an obsessive planner like me, but <laughs> I am. And, and, you know, it's like, I feel really good also when I have like structure and I have plans and I have things set up and lined up in advance. And it gives me this sort of this feeling of stability, but then I don't, you know, I forget to manage time off for myself. Yeah. So I can actually like rest and regenerate and, you know, it's like, I don't completely like fall off the face of the earth, but just taking time to just be alone, like go for a walk. Yeah. And, you know, go get a massage or whatever, any of those things, like the self-care thing is important. And just, I think in, in modern life and the way that our society functions is to sort of drive people to be working all the time. And that success is what will bring you meaning in your life. And it's just not fucking true. <laughs> so it's hard. You have to, not only you have to just combat that for your own sanity, but it's like you're always living with that pressure from the outside world to try to be successful and make more money and be more productive. Yeah. And get more Instagram and followers, get more publications. <laughs> you know, fuck Instagram, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like, oh my God. I've, man, I am so tired of doing that grind. Like, really? Yeah. You know, I mean, you get your account banned, like, how many times does that happen to you? Like, 15? Yeah, 16. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's just crazy. I'm starting to lose count. But I got yeah. it back all those times yeah. somehow. <laughs> so ridiculous. God. Yeah. And, and then, speaking of phones and social media and cell phones, I've noticed also the phone itself is an addiction. And there, there's a, oh, an analogy that I read on the internet somewhere where like you should not like have your career in something that you are also addicted to so like if a chef has a food addiction you know they're going to be like indulging in like what they're doing for their work all the time and it's the same for if your career relies on social media if you have a social media addiction you're going to have to put that in check and i struggle with that i my my iphone reminds me what my how many hours a day I've been spending on my phone. <laughs> Dude, I am constantly fucking checking my phone. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, no, I struggle with it too. I get it. It's, I held out for a really long time before getting a smartphone, like comparatively to other people. I didn't even have texting. Like I had a flip phone and I didn't even have texting. It's like, if you wanted to reach me, you had to fucking call me. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that once I got a smartphone, it was over. Like I was never going to be able to go back. And I definitely couldn't, I could not go back now. I can tell you that, Yeah. you know, but yeah, it's definitely, it's, it triggers all of those little pleasure centers and the likes and the little bings. And I mean, God, we're such, we're like so unevolved when it comes <laughs> to our technology. Like it's it's really made us into monsters. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of people don't even realize that, like, how big of an addiction it is because they think of addiction like drugs. But it, this it's, it's the same type of thing as people that are stuck at the casino, like playing on the slot machines. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's and and at the same time, it's kind of a necessary evil to some degree. Like, I mean, I wouldn't want to work with a photographer that didn't have 
in like that didn't have some kind of a profile yeah or like a website at least a website but like not even instagram it's like i'd be wary of working with someone that didn't even have an instagram yeah which you know and part of that is like for safety and stuff like that but it's definitely a it is a tool by which we gauge whether or not someone is really serious and all kinds of things but there is definitely a I don't know, actually like a pretty thick line between utilizing it as like a portfolio and like by a means of like connecting with people and sharing your work and being like completely obsessed with it. Yeah. (laughs) I created a personal account once and I just decided to put personal stuff on my modeling Instagram. I always just kind of go back to using one account instead of separating all different sections of my life into different Instagram accounts. Yeah, I try to keep my main account for, like, fashion stuff and, like, not really post any of my, like, nude or, like, I don't do any, like, I don't censor any of my photos anyway. But then I have, like, a couple, like, like, burner accounts, basically, (laughs) where I, you know, I'll, like, post all of my slutty shit on there. And, you know, if I lose those accounts, I don't care. But my main account, I keep it. I keep it peachy. I, I follow the rules and whatever. Yeah. So you have um, to these days. But I, yeah. And, but I mean, I, th- I think I'm still like shadow banned. I mean, you know, I was kind of careless about it for so many years that it's a little late for that. But still, yeah. I think if you, had, everyone has their own method. I, I feel like I'm also shadow banned, but I don't think it's because of my past content. I feel like it's because my account is so old that I probably have like people following me who don't even log into their Instagram anymore. So maybe my account looks spammy because I have a bunch of inactive followers. Oh, I didn't even realize that was a thing. I mean, it probably is. There's probably people that had their Instagram account and then they just like stopped logging in. You know, if you, I opened it in 2014. So there's probably at least 50% of those followers are probably just stale, you know? Huh? Yeah. The, the more you know, I didn't even realize that was, it's, but that makes sense. It's just a theory. I, I don't know it for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that's happening on my account. A working theory, but <laughs> it makes sense though. Like that's a good working theory. Yeah. So you've got side hustles going on. You're in school for science and you're hopefully maybe even going to be a sex therapist in the future, but like. And it's like we like to itemize our next few months all the time, but we don't really think about like setting a hard goal for five years from now. Like, does anybody do that, by the way? Does anybody like, oh, in five years, I want to be doing this? Like, have you thought about that too? Or, yeah, I mean, I have, I have done that. Like, I have said to myself, like, yeah, in five years, like, I want to be doing this other thing, but you know. Then I fucking changed my mind. Yeah, <laughs> You know, I thought I was going to be done with modeling by the time I was 30. And, uh, well, uh, yeah. that didn't happen. So people still want to work with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm plenty busy, you know, and I'm also still enjoying it. You know, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> as long as I'm still getting joy from it and I'm still getting bookings, why stop? Yeah. I mean, it's just trying to maintain it while also, you know, 
trying to work on other things at the same time. But no, I don't know. I mean, I, I would just like in the next two years to have a better idea of what I want yeah. to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, I can't even set that goal because I don't know. Yeah. You know, and until I figure that out, I'm kind of just floating around and trying to get experiences and get an education and things like that. Yeah. I go through those phases too. Like this past winter, I took all these online classes for how to be a life coach. And then when it came- Oh, cool. Yeah, I know. I mean, the classes, the online classes that I took were cool. And I like, I even made like a beginner level, like 10 video course for people who wanted to just watch a video course that I made, but then I didn't market it. I was like, it doesn't feel like me. Like I don't feel authentic in advertising this. And I'm like, is this just my own self-limiting beliefs or is it truly inauthentic for me to have made this course? You know, cause I just didn't, I don't know. Maybe it just didn't, I, I felt like I was like trying to come up with something that was going to be like in addition to my modeling as a side hustle, but I, I just, my heart wasn't totally in it, you know? Well, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to uh, just put it out there and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, m modeling for me wasn't this thing that I knew I wanted to do right away either. You know, I mean, it took me time to kind of feel like it was authentically something that I knew I wanted to be doing. That's true. But I also, with, with modeling, I don't know if it was the same with you, but I did it for free for many years. I just did photo shoots because I enjoyed it. And then somehow, eventually, people just started asking me what my rates were. And then it became a career eventually after that. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I definitely did a lot, of, a lot of trade in the first couple of years. I had some paying work, but it was pretty limited. Like, I was still, you know, like, working at like retail places and stuff like that before things really took off for me. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's the difference is like for being a life coach, that's something that you're trying to make money doing right away. Maybe that's why it doesn't feel... Yeah, like would I do it for free for a while first and then start charging people? I, I don't know. I don't know if I would like want to do it for free I don't, at all. <laughs> I think as an adult, you don't really have that option. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like when you were in your 20s and like still figuring it out and maybe, you know, like you didn't have the same kinds of expenses or you were living at home or whatever your situation is. It's like you're more open to like exploring things like that, you know, but now yeah. like you're not a kid anymore. You have to make money like and you are actually like crushing it at life. So why wouldn't you be a good life coach? <laughs> Maybe you just need to put it out there. See what happens. True. I should think about it a little bit more and then advertise it yeah. more. Hey, you never know. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for being heard. Of course. <laughs> no, I know how hard it is to step out of this. It's like we all need like encouragement because walking away from this yeah. lifestyle <laughs> is it's tough. So Yeah. But have no fear. I, w I wouldn't say walking away from it. Maybe walking alongside of it instead of just like constantly. Right. In it exactly. All the time. Sure. Whatever version of space you need from it. Yeah. Well, it seems that we are about at time. Is there anything you wanted to bring up before we go? I think we've done a good job at, you know, covering some of the world's problems and. <laughs> 
at least our, at least <laughs> yeah. our problems, you know? Yes. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm pretty much good. It was great. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Thanks so much. And I hope that it takes off and you know, you get to do more of these. It's interesting. Models are weird. Are you ever going to do photographers? Like, are you ever going to start talking to photographers? Have you thought about that? <laughs> so I've thought about it. And there's maybe some photographers that I do want to interview. I did one. And I actually had to take it down oh, no. right away. Because apparently that photographer that I had interviewed was blacklisted in his area. And I even checked references. I'll tell you who it is maybe after we get off of this recording. So I was like, shit. And it just kind of made me realize like how checking references is not always oh, the end all yeah. be all, you know? Oh man, that's tough. Gotcha. So there's, there's some <laughs> complications with that. So gotcha. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I don't know how you'll figure that out, but that might be interesting too. Yeah, I, it's not, I probably will do others in the future. Maybe ones that I know more personally, not just people that replied on Instagram that are like, I'll be on your podcast. Right, <laughs> right. All right. Well, it was great talking to you, Christy. I really look forward to seeing you in the next couple of months. I hope our paths cross out west again. That was fun. I think they will because we're going to do the explore again thing, right? Oh my God, you're the other model? Yeah! I didn't fucking even know that! This is the first time I hear you! Sweet! It was just like fucking made my day. That's wonderful. Yay! Oh, yeah, that's so cool. I'm so excited you're gonna be there too. Oh, yay. Awesome. Yeah, heck yeah, I'm stoked. That's great. I am so glad that you just told me that news. So, great. Awesome. Well, heck I yeah. will definitely see you in June, if not maybe sooner. Hooray. Hooray. All right. Great chatting with you. You too, Christy. Have a great day. Bye.